The Money Pit is presented by Diamond Crystal Salt. The benefits are bigger than you expected. After all, you're worth your salt. Diamond Crystal Salt. A brilliant choice since 1886. Coast to Coast to Shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by to help you tackle your home improvement project, solve your do-it-yourself dilemma, or if you're the kind of person that doesn't want to pick up the hammer or pick up the saw and do the job yourself, we will help you select the right contractor. We just don't want do-it-yourselfers to turn into do-it-to-yourselfers by doing the wrong things. We're here to help make sure that doesn't happen to you at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Hey, coming up on today's program, there's Firm Pillow Top Plush Gel and Foam. Now, those could be the latest lattes from Starbucks, but they're not. They're the names of different types of mattresses. We're going to tell you how to choose the best mattress that will give you the best rest in just a bit. And also ahead, we're going to have some tips on saving energy with your lighting. We're going to tell you why dimmers can put the light and ambiance you need right at your fingertips. Plus, if you do your part tossing your plastic water bottles and milk jugs and the like in the recycling bin, did you ever wonder what becomes of that stuff? You wouldn't believe all the places that that recyclable plastic is turning up in home improvement products. We're going to share that in just a bit. And one color we talked to this hour on the air is going to win a $200 prize pack from Red Devil with enough of their products for patching and sealing up around the house for years to come. So give us a call right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Kathy in Florida, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have a problem, not I, but my daughter has a problem with her sliding doors. Okay. It's, um, uh, in winter, it's awfully drafty. And on a previous show, you mentioned a product to put on that you can peel off in springtime very easily, and that seals the doors and windows. But I did not get the name, so that's why I'm calling back if you remember that or if you can help me with this problem. No. Kathy, it's a very common product that we talk about often. It's um, DAP has one. It's called Seal and Peel Caulk. A lot of different manufacturers make one. But once she seals this door, you know, it's not something that you're going to want to peel off and, and, you know, reapply. Is this a door that she uses often or could she, like, call this doorway closed for the season? No, she doesn't use it in winter at all. Okay. So then you could seal it off for the winter as long as... And the thing that concerns me, though, in, in telling you this is, while you can seal it off for the winter, you're also sort of sealing it shut. So if this is an emergency exit out of the house in the event of a fire or something like that, you know, you might not want to do this. But the product is a weather-stripping caulk. It's clear. It looks like silicone, but it's not. And you essentially caulk drafty windows or doors, and then in the spring, you peel it off, and it doesn't damage the underlying door. 
But like I said, because it's a door, we don't recommend that you seal it shut because then you won't be able to get out. And, you know, that's a good option if the draft is coming in from around the door, like in the operable parts, the doorway itself, for lack of a better area to describe. If you feel that the draft is coming from the glass itself, there's also those clear sheetings that you can attach in addition to sealing off the other part that you sort of blow dry in place that sort of seals off you know, an additional layer if the draft is coming through the glass as well. And, you know, a combination of those two things might work. It's shrink film, and it would attach to the outside frame of the door. Uh, It sort of has like a double-faced tape attachment, and then you heat it with a hairdryer, and it shrinks and pulls really tight and taut. And, of course, that would stop the drafts, but in the event you had to get out in an emergency, you just break through and and, and go on out. All right, Kathy, so I hope that those are some good ideas that helps uh, you and your daughter out. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money pit. Now we've got Nathan in Texas on the line who's got a concrete stain question. What's going on? Just wondering, we have a place on our stained concrete floors that uh, a chair has sat at and rolled around a lot and it's faded all the stain away. I don't know if you knew of any way to making it look any better. Should we just leave it alone? So the floor itself is not damaged, just that the color has gone away. Right, just from a roll around chair being sitting in front of a computer moving around a lot. And what kind of stain uh, color are you working with right now, Nathan? It's a, uh, a rust type brown with a little bit of almost a kind of a slight maroonish tint to it. All right. Well, I mean, I'm glad that it's darker rather than lighter because it seems like that might be a bit easier to match. Right, Leslie? Yeah, I think you're going to have to try to mix up some new stain. And I say mix up only because if you've got any of the original color left, you might need to add, you know, a little bit of a darker stain to it just to sort of get it to match the current color situation for the rest of your floor. And you should be able to sort of blend that in to make those, you know, bald spots, for lack of a better word, go away. You know, that faded area sort of come back to life. Now, as far as repairing it or making it more robust or sturdy, I should say, for that, you know, future rolling around on it. Have you done any sort of like clear coat or like protective coat to the top of the stain? Or is it really just like a, you know, a dry matte surface finish? It is dry. We did have a clear coat initially when we built the house. But what happened with that is any type of uh, a dog walked on it, the paw prints showed and you couldn't get them off. So we had to bump it all out. So it never really, sounds like it remained tacky. It never cured. Yeah. You know, that can happen if there's moisture under the slab. And that's probably what happened. We had a little bit of a problem with our contractor and never really got it right. Well, Look, you could always try this in an inconspicuous area, but I think if you were to get the color right and then clear coat it again with satin, it would stand up a little bit better. But I guess the good news is that this is obviously under a desk or an area where a chair is, so it's not going to be terribly noticeable. But why not just put uh, some sort of protective mat under that chair this time after you get it right? Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, good luck with that project, Nathan. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can call in your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whenever you're working on it or whatever the mood might strike you. We're here to give a hand at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, if you've ever had problems getting a good night's rest, it might be the mattress that's the issue. There are lots of new options. We'll help you choose which is the right one for you next. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools, celebrating their 170 year anniversary. At Stanley, making history is our future. 
To learn more, visit StanleyTools.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone. Give us a call at 1-888-MONEYPIT. If you do, you could win a $200 prize pack from Red Devil this hour. Now, the prize pack has putty knives, utility knives, a caulk gun, acrylic sealant, and a very cool product called One Time Patch and Prime. It's lightweight spackling. Yeah, you know, it's great for painting prep. There's no sanding or priming required, and it dries fast and is ready to paint in minutes. That number again is 888 Money Pit. You can also visit saveonreddevil.com for more money saving offers. Now, let's get back to those phones. Leslie, who's next? Nora in Texas is on the line with a textured wall question. Tell us what you're working on. We are remodeling our house, and we have a room that has walls that has some flaws in the wall, some bumps and things that I know I won't get out. But we were gonna te- we were texturing it with a um, lightweight joint compound and a paint roller. But when I I put it on, I kind of went above my head and came down, and then I dipped again. Went across the wall and then went across the top about a foot from the ceiling to the, where I'd started. Then went across the bottom from the foot, you know, from the where I ended to the floor. Yeah. Is it going to show line? How do you keep from showing line marks? And- well, <laughs> you know, Nora, there's paints that are designed to do that. You don't have to use spackling. Uh, but, I mean, I can respect the fact that you probably had some spackle and maybe you just tried to make that work. Uh, how do you avoid paint lines or how do you avoid trowel lines with that? I mean, you only got one shot to do it, and that's when you work it when it's wet. Okay. You know, it's okay to cut in like that, but before it dries, what you have to do is go across the wall and sort of break into those sort of bands so that you have a pattern there. Okay. I probably would not have used spackle for that if it was me. I would have used a good quality textured paint, which would have given you the same effect. But it sounds like that ship has sailed, and uh, and now you're you're working with the spackle. Is that correct? Well, yes. What kind of paint has texture in it? Oh, there's lots of different uh, paints. I know, for example, I think it's Valspar. It's got about a dozen different ones. And I'm sure every major paint manufacturer has a textured paint. So you just roll it on like paint? And it- That's right. It has less coverage. So while regular paint covers about 400 square feet per gallon, textured paint will, will cover between 150 and 200 square feet per gallon. Well, and it also depends. The application depends on the type of texture that you choose. Some of them have, you know... Certain rollers that are required, you know, certain certain applicators, I should say, that will achieve that look for you. Okay, well, thank you very much. Well, it's time now for the Money Pit's Pinterest Tip of the Week, presented by Citrus Magic Air Freshener. And today on the Money Pit's Pinterest page, we have tips on choosing a new mattress. You know, you spend a third of your life in bed, so you want to make sure you choose your mattress carefully. First off, you want to know the difference in comfort levels. There is a firm level, plush, and pillow top. Firm is pretty much self-explanatory. Plush has support but allows more pressure points to sink into the mattress, and pillow top is the softest. Now, you want to ignore terms like ultra firm and super plush because basically there's no regulation on these descriptions, and it's really hard to determine what they actually mean. Now, keep in mind that if your mattress is old and not giving you much, if any, support, you're probably waking up achy and sore. 
Now, you might mistakenly believe that you need a firm mattress, but what you really may need is just more support. So try the mattresses in the showroom. Also keep in mind that higher spring count may sound impressive, but studies have actually shown that the number of springs doesn't really affect how comfortable the mattress is. And that's your Pinterest tip of the week presented by Citrus Magic Air Freshener. There's magic in the air. You can visit the Money Pit's Pinterest page and check out our tip of the week board for more on this and other great ideas. Tom in Florida is dealing with some tree roots in a drain system. Never a fun task. Tell us what's going on at your money pit. Our house was built in in, uh, 55, and we have a lot of oak trees in the air. In fact, it's called Shady Oaks Drive. And I have these roots into my drain field, into the, the pipes, and it's... It's clogging my system. So it's getting into the drain field itself. So it's getting into the pipes that have the uh, that have the openings where the water leaches yeah. out into the drain field. Yes. Yeah, that's a difficult situation because, of course, that's a perfect source of food for the trees, right? So it probably really likes it there. Yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> yeah. Now, is it possible to cut back trees from this area? No, these trees are about six or seven foot around. They're huge. So here's one thing that you can do. If you can map out where the drain field is and be sure where that drain field is, uh-huh. you could trench, and you may have to rent a device to do this, but you could trench, even if it was a narrow trench. Have you ever seen one of these trend, these these cutters that are like a, like a two or three inch wide blade that kind of digs straight into the ground? Yes. You could trench around the drain field. And in doing so, what you would be doing is slicing those roots on their way over to the drains. Yes. And that would isolate, at least slow down the growth of some of those roots into the drain field. They're going to come back eventually, but it might take quite a while. It might be something you only have to do every two or three years. But if you could slice that area around the drain field so that the roots don't go through that and into the pipes, what will happen is the roots that are there will die off because they won't be fed from the tree anymore. And then hopefully they won't come back for a while. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, give that a shot and good luck with that project. Tom, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Marsha in Illinois needs some help getting a window unstuck. Tell us about it. I have a window over my sink in my kitchen, so I have to lean over the sink to raise this window. And uh, it's always been extremely hard to get up or down. And uh, I, I just don't know what to do with it. I, I think I've tried um, WD-40. Is this a wood window, Marcia? Yes, it's a wood window. So probably over the years, it's gotten bigger, swollen in its place, and it's gotten tighter in the jams. And pr- I'm, I'll presume with paint, too, over the years that that didn't make it any better. So why don't you think about a replacement window? I mean, look, we can talk to you about taking this whole window apart and sanding down the jams and sanding down the sashes and making it easier to use and replacing the cords and the balance and all that work. But I think this would be a good time to treat yourself to a replacement window. You don't have to do all the windows in the house. You know, you can buy a double hung replacement window in a home center today for a couple hundred bucks and it's a pretty good quality window. So you may want to think about replacing just this one window or in the alternative, you can pull the trim off, you can take the sashes apart, and you could sand them and sand them well. And that will make them a little bit smaller all the way around and make them easier to operate. And of course, also make sure that the balances are working. 
Now, if it's an old wood window, you may have cords or chains that go up and you want to make sure that they're still attached because that gives you a little bit of, a, of assistance as you open and close the window. Okay. Well, um, I appreciate your advice. I'm, uh, I guess I'll have to invest in a new window. I, I think it's going to be easier than all the work it would take to get the old window working. And I'm all for easy. And that's why I suggest that. Okay, Marcia? Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Now, look, if you got these old windows, I mean, you can work on them and put eight, ten hours into a window, and sure, it'll be just as good as new, but why? You know, it's still going to be an old drafty wood window when you can go buy a double-pane vinyl-clad window, replacement window that slips inside the existing opening and just have better energy efficiency and a window that really works. Tilt in to clean, you know, the works. just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're still going to have to reach over that sink. It's just going to be easier to work. Exactly. Now we've got Corey in Michigan who's dealing with an addition that's having a hard time maintaining its heat. Tell us what's going on at your money pit. I purchased a foreclosure a couple of years ago, and they put uh, an addition on the back of the house, and the house has a uh, basement, but there's a crawl space under the addition. And I've noticed uh, the past couple of years that I've been here, the addition in the back, it's um, it's just one room. It's it's like a great room. It's about uh, 18 by 20 feet. And it's always colder. It's it's around 10 to 15 degrees colder than the rest of the house. And what type of heating do you have in that space? Uh, we have forced air uh, heating throughout the house, and uh, they put an additional duct going to that room. And, and we also have a gas fireplace in the back. Um, but unfortunately, I'm, I'm always finding myself having to put the fireplace on to try and uh, even out the... So, so did they try to extend the heating system from the main house into the addition? They did. And that was part of my concern when I was looking yeah. at it because they ran a duct right off of the, uh, the main duct off the furnace. So I was thinking maybe kind of like how air would take the path of least resistance is just continuing through the large duct and not really being forced into the smaller duct that goes right into that room because the furnace is actually very close to that room. So it sounds like what they tried to do was take the inexpensive way out, which is to extend the existing heating system into that room, which may or may not have been properly done. So have you had an HVAC contractor look at this and look at the duct runs? No, I haven't. No. Yeah, so I would do this. I I would I would look at the duct runs first and see if the duct system can be adjusted or additional ducts can be installed to get more air into that room. You need more heat in that room. That would be the least expensive way to go. If you're running this gas fireplace to try to balance off the chilliness in that room, you might want to think about it because we're just sort of uh, working with, I guess, the, the coldest days is when you need this, I would imagine. You might want to think about adding electric baseboard heat. Now, we almost never recommend that because it's the most expensive. But in a situation where you're trying to add supplemental heat to a room, okay, that's not a bad way to go because it's inexpensive to install, and you're only going to run it when you really need it. Okay. What do you think about maybe putting like... Uh I know they have them fans that you can stick inside duct to maybe help pull the air into the duct. I wouldn't go that route until I had a good HVAC installer, not a service guy, not a guy who just you know t- tunes up furnaces, but somebody that really knows how to lay out a duct system for a house. Look at it. That's called a duct booster. It might be an alternative. It might not. It depends on how the duct was put together, how much supply air and return air is getting back. Because remember, you can't just throw the air in there. You got to pull the cold air out of there and send it back. Back to the heating system. So if they've just got supplies and no return, that could also be an issue. Okay. Yeah, there is a return, but yeah, it's I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how many corners they cut because I know in the in the crawl space there they didn't put no visqueen down or anything like that. Also, 
Yeah, well, I would talk to an HVAC contractor about the duct layout, see if you can get some additional feedback on that, and then just look at all the alternatives. You know, what's it going to cost to uh, get the duct system working right? Can can it work right? Is the existing furnace big enough to supply the amount of heat that that room is going to need, given its location, given how much glass is there, and so on? And remember, keep that as a fallback position that you could always add electric baseboard to supplement what you have. Oh, okay. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Coming up, have you ever grabbed a tool to fix something in your house only to find that it's the wrong tool? Well, then you end up going back over and over again until you get it right. So we've got some tips on a new product that can solve that issue once and for all when the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show continues. Hey, 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 money. The Money Pit is presented by Leviton, the brand most preferred by builders for wiring devices and lighting controls. With a focus on safety, Leviton products are the smart solution for all your electrical needs. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, the avid DIYers out there probably have just about every hand tool known to man, including a set of ratchet wrenches. They're great, but they do take up a lot of room in the toolbox, and it's sometimes a guessing game to figure out what size head you need. Stanley Tools has created a wrench that completely solves both of those issues, and here to tell us about it is Mike Allison, product manager for Stanley's Mechanics Tools. And he's here to talk about a brand new innovation, the Twin Tech Ratcheting Socket Wrench. Welcome, Mike. Tom and Leslie, how are you doing? Good to be here. We're doing well, and uh, all of us have uh, struggled with ratchet sets where we end up with so many different sockets, so many different ratchets, and just a lot of complication trying to figure out what you need, especially if you don't do it every day. How does the Twin Tech solve that problem? Well, the Twin Tech takes all the guesswork out of it. So with the Twin Tech, you're going to get 27 hex SAE and metric sizes along with a ratchet in one wrench. So with this, you won't have to carry a socket set to your job site or to where you need to perform the job. You won't have to open up and have the sockets go everywhere. You won't have to guess what size. You simply take out the twin tech, use the quick adjust dial, and there's no guesswork. So essentially, are we talking about one socket that you sort of dial up or dial down to fit any fastener? Correct. So there's a, there's a larger size head and a smaller size head. So obviously, for the larger size, you have half the sizes, which fits 13, and then the lower half will fit the other 13. And then where we get the 27 pieces in one is we count the ratchet as a piece that you won't have to lug around with you. And I have to tell you, Mike, the tool itself, I mean, is very innovative and kind of cool looking. It almost looks like something that could be part of a bicycle. It's got these yellow dials. I mean, it's really very interesting. It it seems like a lot of thought goes into the process of what should this look like? What should this be made of? You know, how long does the entire design process kind of take? Take us through that. Of course, this was this was ultra important for us as well, because this is kind of one of the first products that's coming out with our new brand guidelines that we're so proud about to uh, to launch this September. So um, with the new logo and new ID on this product, uh, we definitely took the time to develop everything and uh, do the end-user feedback, see what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it, how would end-users respond to this. So we took about, I'd say, close to a year to develop this and do our research, do our homework, uh, you know, and make sure the end-users really would like this and understand it. And, of course, the, the research came back tremendous, so that's why you know we're proud to launch this this uh, Q1 
Q4. We're talking to Mike Allison. He's a product manager with Stanley Mechanics Tools, and the new product is called the Stanley Twin Tech Ratcheting Socket Wrench. Retails for twenty nine ninety nine, which to me makes it very giftable. I would imagine, huh, Mike? Correct. That's that's part of the uh, the research that came back. Is is you know when we when we do our research, we research from DIY all the way up to professional. Professional understood it. They said it could be useful. DIYers thought, wow, this would be a great gift around Father's Day, around the holiday time frame. So look to see it around the uh, this holiday season in, uh, in a few local stores that you can purchase it at. Mike Allison from Stanley's Mechanics Tools. Thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Of course, Tom and Leslie, I appreciate it. Learn more about Stanley Tools at stanleytools.com. All right, and still to come, we're following the plastic trail. We're going to tell you what becomes of your plastic recyclables after you put them out to the curb. You'll be surprised. Stick around. The Money Pit is presented by Diamond Crystal Salt. The benefits are bigger than you expected. After all, you're worth your salt. Diamond Crystal Salt. A brilliant choice since 1886. You live in the Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by the new Chamberlain MyQ Garage. When you forget, it alerts your smartphone so you can close your door from anywhere on most garage door openers. Available now. For more information, go to Chamberlain.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. We're giving away a $200 prize pack from Red Devil this hour, which includes putty knives, utility knives, and a caulking gun, acrylic sealant, and one-time patch and prime lightweight spackling. It's great for painting prep because there's no sanding or priming required. It dries fast, and it's ready to paint in minutes. The number, again, is 888-MONEY-PIT. And you can also visit saveonreddevil.com for more money-saving offers. Patrick in Florida, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? We've got a probably a 20 or... Yeah, fifteen or twenty thousand gallon pool above ground. Okay, okay, so that's a lot of weight. Since I have put in three shallow wells, uh, and with a one horsepower pump. Okay. That draws for my sprinkler system. We have a standard lot. It's probably eighty by one hundred and twenty-five, and I'm getting some sagging, or not a, not some sagging. I'm getting a decent amount of sagging on the the pool fence. So am I sucking too much water out and then the weight is pushing it down? Or what do you think? The water shouldn't impact the the fence. If the fence is settling, I don't think it's because you're pulling water out from under it. Usually if you get a lot of settlement, it's because of the grade of the land. If there's a lot of water sitting in there, like from rainfall, and you have weight on top of that, then that will disturb the soil. It makes the soil weaker and then things shift. Okay. So I don't know if it's, if you can connect the well with the movement of the fence. Just the fence that's moving? Yeah, it's pulling away from the main post. It's- yeah, it's it's probably just a little bit of settlement in that area. Um, you know, uh, pulling away from the post like that is not that terribly unusual. Okay. And so um, I wouldn't attribute that to uh, some, some shifting of ground underneath. Okay, so you don't think I'm sucking too much water out of the, out of the water table and then now it... it- needs to go somewhere. I don't know what you're taking out of the water table, Patrick, but I know it's not likely to cause the fence to move. Oh, got it. Okay. 
Well, every November, we celebrate America Recycles Day. It's a day dedicated across the country to encouraging sustainability through recycling. But did you ever wonder what happens to all that plastic? We've got the scoop presented by Plastics Make It Possible. Well, as communities include more types of plastic that they collect for recycling, more and more plastics are being recycled. Now, some of those plastics may come back in building products for your next home improvement project. Now, you likely have all kinds of recyclable plastics in your home, everything from milk jugs to beverage bottles and detergent bottles, shampoo containers, plastic bags, you name it. When you recycle these everyday plastics, you keep valuable materials out of the landfills. And the best part is these plastics can live on and come back into your house. That's right. For example, recycled plastics often are used to make composite lumber, a durable building material that looks like wood, but the plastic is resistant to moisture and insects, and the lumber needs very little maintenance. Now, recycled plastics are also being used more and more to make soft, comfortable carpeting, available in a lot of colors, which will complement any decor, and milk jugs and other plastic containers are being used to make attractive countertops and floor tiles. For more great tips on recycling and contributing to sustainability at home, visit PlasticsMakeItPossible.com. Liam in Iowa has a flooring question. What can we help you with? I was wondering if, if I could get away with putting some snap-together flooring like Pergo over uh, carpeting in the dining room because I don't want to uh, cover the carpeting up, but the, the dining room is carpeted, and we'd like to have a hard surface underneath the dining room table so it doesn't get you know, food and stains and stuff in the carpeting. Just, so you're talking about an area just for the table? Yeah, just like underneath the dining room table. Rather than tear up a hole in the carpeting or tear up the carpeting in the dining room, you think I could just snap together flooring over over the carpet under the dining room table and chairs? I don't think so, because that type of flooring needs a certain level of consistent support. And there's special underlayments that are designed to go underneath it. Mm -hmm. And those underlayments have just enough cushion, but it gives the flooring material the support it needs. So putting it on top of a carpet, it's going to be too mushy and the floor joints are going to start to break apart. So that's just not going to work. You're going to have to decide one or the other. Okay, so if I want a hard floor, I'm going to have to tear up the carpeting. Correct. Well, yeah, if you're looking for a hard floor like a pergo or a laminate type, you know, you would take up the carpeting, which, I mean, isn't a huge project. And, you know, depending on what's under there, you could probably use whatever plywood or, you know, base as your subfloor and make it work really well and go together quite easily. Um, the other option, if you like that carpeting that's in there, you're just concerned about, you know, the table and the usage and dirt, you could get an inexpensive like sisal or seagrass rug, which is really in style, and layer your carpeting. I've seen this done many times. It looks great in rooms like this. And you can do a carpet underneath, you know, like an area rug underneath the table and chairs. And if you go with a sisal or seagrass, it's very stylish. You know, I don't know what your decor is, but it could work and be really awesome. A friend of mine has like an indoor-outdoor rug that looks like black and white tile at their campsite outside of their their, uh, Airstream trailer. So maybe something like that, like an indoor-outdoor type of carpet. It doesn't have to be indoor-outdoor. I mean, if I had an Airstream trailer, I'd probably have indoor-outdoor carpet for that too. But, you know, in your situation, it's In my dining room, I don't know I would do that. Exactly. Um, But you can get a sisal rug or a seagrass rug for, you know, 100 or 200 bucks, depending on the size of it. And those clean really well. They're reversible. So if one side gets like super dirty, you just flip it over and use the other side. And then when that one gets trashed, you check it and get a new one. Okay, cool. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Bob in Oregon's on the line with a roofing question. What's going on? Well, I had some people uh, add a roof over a deck 
on the house, uh, making the deck into a porch. And they, when they nailed the, uh, the new ledger onto the old soffit, uh, I had told them to uh, get up underneath the existing shingles uh, with flashing uh, to go over top of the new roofing and so forth for the water continuation for drainage, and they didn't do that. Uh, I found out since then that there's probably a reason why they didn't, and that's because the old, the, the old roofing on the house is very, very well nailed down, about on two-inch centers, uh, and trying out all those nails uh, would be a problem. Uh, and so they just uh, put the new roofing up against as close as they could over top of the, uh, the new ledger, uh, but it doesn't, of course, it doesn't seal. So the water comes down the old roofing and it runs down between the two and down onto the deck or down onto the, onto the porch. And I heard you talking about a product that you were giving away or that you were going to have a drawing for or whatever. And I said, hey, that sounds like exactly what I might need, a liquid rubber. Yeah, you're talking about the Ames Blue Max, which is a great product, but it's not designed to patch a roof installation that was just done horribly wrong to begin with. And so my advice on this would be to fix it once, fix it right, and not and not have to deal with it again by making the proper roof repair, which in your case is going to involve pulling some of the roof material off of the um, off of the house, so that you can take the roof from the overhang, the new overhang now, and work it up under those shingles properly. That's what I'm trying to avoid if I can, because of course the the edge the edge of the existing roof is tarred down pretty well. In fact, real well. Right, because uh, I did that myself years ago, a few years ago, uh, and it's nailed down very, very well. I understand that, but anything else is is not going to be a permanent repair. And I, I really feel like removing that removing that roof is the right way to go here, so that you have a properly flashed seam. And it's going to be important to keep that dry. Uh, it's going to prevent rot if the water leaks through there. And it's going to add to your home value because it'll be properly done. Bob, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Still to come, butcher block countertops. They're beautiful, but if they're not being cared for properly, they can actually be a germ factory. We're going to tell you the best way to take care of them next. You live in a body pit. Money Pit is presented by Leviton, the brand most preferred by builders for wiring devices and lighting controls. With a focus on safety, Leviton products are the smart solution for all your electrical needs. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, do you want to win a boatload of tools to tackle in your next do-it-yourself project? Well, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash themoneypit and get in on our Weekend Warrior Sweepstakes. All you have to do to enter is like our page, and if you share the sweeps, you get bonus entries to increase your chances of winning. We're giving away three great prizes, including a set of power tools from Cable. We've got the 20-volt lithium-ion max link system. It includes a circular saw, a reciprocating saw, and a drill driver. Check it out at facebook.com slash themoneypit. And while you're online, you can post your question in the community section, just like Sue from Illinois did. And Sue 
writes, one of our countertops is about two feet of butcher block. We put in new countertops and sanded down the butcher block to fresh wood. Should I apply anything to that wood? Somebody suggested mineral oil. Yeah, that's right, Sue. I mean, mineral oil is the best thing to put on a butcher block countertop because it's non-toxic. You really don't want to put anything else but that. If it starts to get roughed up, you can sand it down again. You want to get some, probably some 50-grit sandpaper on a block of wood and then really rub it down because you're kind of cutting across the end grain and you really need a strong sandpaper to do that. And then put more mineral oil on top of that. The other thing to do is every once in a while, it's not a, not a bad idea to spray it with about a 10% bleach solution. This is going to make sure we kill any bacteria that's stuck to the surface. All right, next up, we've got Michael who writes, about 15 years ago, I put rubber matting on my concrete basement floor. I started to remove it today and it's very dirty and it smells moldy. What should I clean it with? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, Michael, because that rubber matting is just was sitting on top of that concrete surface where there's a lot of condensation. It's just condensed in the, the water is going to condense on the backside of it, mixed with some of the dirt. You've got perfect conditions for mold. So here's what I would do is I would take that matting out of the house. I would thoroughly scrub the whole thing down with concrobium. Concrobium is a good product to use. It's going to kill the mold and it adds a protective layer that stops it from coming back. Yeah, you know, it really does do the trick. And when it comes to mold growth, you got to get it before it spreads too much and then you can keep it from coming back. Well, it's time now for today's fall energy saving tip presented by Lutron, makers of the Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Now, there are a couple of options with lighting technology that you can use to save money on your electric bill. The first is using an occupancy sensor like the Lutron Maestro. It automatically turns lights on when you enter a room and off when you leave. It's perfect for rooms where lights tend to get left on, like your kid's room. Now, it's also great for rooms that you tend to walk into with your hands full, like your laundry room or your pantry. The Maestro Occupancy Sensor's innovative sensing technology keeps lights on when the room is occupied, plus it features a patented detector that actually senses natural light in a room so it doesn't come on during the day. And, you know, that can add up to a big energy savings right there. It also works with all types of light bulbs, including the newer CFLs and LEDs, without any special wiring, and the sleek design blends with any decor. Now, you can also consider using a dimmer so you can control just how much light you're using in a room. And this is a perfect option for a dining room or a family room where you might not need a lot of light at certain times. Now, not all dimmers are created equal. Lutron's dimmers are made to work with the newer energy-efficient lighting. And that's today's fall energy-saving tip presented by Lutron. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next week on the program, we'll be sharing our final installment of our exclusive behind-the-scenes coverage of this old house, Jersey Shore Rebuilds. We're going to check in with all three homeowners, each of which was a Hurricane Sandy victim, as they wind down construction and get ready to move in. That's next time on The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.